This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're going to go back a little bit, and then we're going to go to this week's Pasha, very special Pasha this week. It's Shabashira, Shabbat of Oz Yashir. This is a very beautiful thing about Shabashira that has to do with women. Um, if we go to Pasha Bishalach, right after Klai Yisrael sang the Shira, it says the following. Vatikach Miriam HaNeviyah, Achos Aaron, and Miriam, the Neviyah, the sister of Aaron, took Esatoyf Biyada, the, the tambourine in her hand. And they went out with tambourines and drums and dancing, and they sang, Why specifically that of the whole Azir because it says, a horse and its rider um, fell into the yam, was drowned in the yam. Why didn't it say a rider and its horse? Why did it say a horse and its rider? A rider and its horse, right? It says a horse and its rider. Because what she was saying is, in war, it's very hard to shoot a guy running on a, on a, on a horse, right? Because he's, he's, he's a small target. But if you shoot the horse, you get the person riding on the horse. The horse goes down, and the person riding on the horse goes down. So the women were saying, we are the horses, so to say. Not chashem, the horses, but we are carrying Klai Yisrael. And therefore, we are, we are, we are the ones who are carrying Klai Yisrael. And I think very much today, um, in the old days, the Yitzhahara went after the men. Much more than it went after the women. Women were, went to, they were quiet, they were home. Um, but the Yitzhak got smart, because he figured, if you, it's like in, uh, Le in Nazi Germany, so the Germans had a very, uh, very special tank. And the Americans tried to bomb these tanks as they were at war. And then I think Eisenhower, one of the generals, came out and he says, why bomb the tank? You have to bomb one at a time. Bomb the factory. If you, if you destroy the factory, there's no more tanks. So the Yitzhak, instead of going after the kids, they said, if we go after the mother, and we get the mother to go off to Derech, or not believe in Hashem, or we would not keep Shabbos, or whatever, then all the kids will follow. So today, the Yitzhak got smart, and he's really after the women just as much as he's after the men. So she was, she sang, says for Rachba, but the, the beautiful thing about it is that where did they get the tambourines and the musical instruments from? Mitzrayim. Why would they take musical instruments out of Mitzrayim? At that point, nothing happened yet. Everyone took gold and silver and jewelry, why they take out instruments? Because they knew that be talking in Hashem, that Hashem would do something, miracles, and that they would celebrate. So before they even left Mitzrayim, they took the instruments in order to celebrate. The men did not, by Ozzy go out with drums and instruments. They didn't have any. They didn't have the amuna that the w- women had. So Latikach Miriam and she was in a via, and she saw in a via. She knew that there's going to be super miracles, and therefore she took the um, she took the drums in her hands. Also, very interesting. It says Aaron, the sister of Aaron. She was also sister of Moshe. Why doesn't it say Achos Aaron or Moshe? So one reason is that she was first a sister of Aaron, because Moshe was born after the two of them. But he says here Achos Aaron. Another reason. And when she got Saras, he was Moisa Nefesh for her. Um, 
And therefore, when you're moise nefesh for someone, when you give up your life for someone, you put your life on the line for someone, then then it's then it's considered. And this is what he says. He says nikras al shemor. Therefore, it's called on his name because he earned it. So, a person does that for someone else. He's, he's considered like like he he that he's a chosaron. So that's why it says a chosaron, not a chos moishe. That's what. What? He um, he prayed for her. She she had spoken lashon hara, and he went to he went to Moshe Rabbeinu, and I don't I don't have the pasuk exactly what happened, but he was moist enough for her. He put himself on the line. She got punished. She got saras. He didn't, because she was the one who spoke lashon hara. He didn't speak lashon hara. Uh, let's see if I can find it very fast. Exactly what he did, but that's what uh, she says. That's what he did. The chilta that brings it down. Let's see if I can find it very fast. I don't know which parish it's in, but that's that's what Rashi's saying. You can look it up. You can look up the Rashi. You can look up the mechilta. And Klaisro, we know that Klaisro waited. They waited for her because she waited for. Moshe Rabbeinu, when her mother said put him in the Nile, she didn't just put him in the Nile, she stood outside and she waited for him. Hashem pays back for whatever you do, he pays back. I want to go back, I want to go back, if you want to look it up, it's um, it's in the Rashi, in Perek Tezvav, Pasachov. He brings it down from uh, Mechilta. When she got saras, nikra al shemo. Yes, it's a chachamim here. No, it's not a chachamim. All right, I want to go back. I spoke. I just came back. I just came back. Actually, when did I come back? Last night, in the middle of the night, from L.A., and I spoke about this in L.A. Very important message. It says the following, going all the way back to the beginning of Klai Yisrael being an Avdus, being slaves in Mitzrayim. And I think this has a lot to do with all of us and a very big message. And it was in those days. And the king of Mitzrayim died. So when he died, nobody was allowed to work. Sort of like, like a day off, like we have Martin Luther Day, right? So they had King Paro Day. So the Jews were able to stop working for finally. And they they rested from the work. And they screamed, they cried. And their prayers went up to Hashem from the work. Okay. And Hashem heard their cries. Hashem remembered his deal. It's Avraham, it's Yitzchak, it's Yaakov. Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Okay? So what does the Pesach say? Hashem heard their cries and he remembered the bris. Now there seems to be a repetition in the next Pesach of Hei. And Hashem saw the Bnei Yisrael. And Hashem knew. And Hashem knew. Doesn't say what he knew. Doesn't say what he saw. You already said that he heard them crying. And he remembered the deal that he made. So what does this Pusik add? 
What did he see? He saw the Bnei Yisrael. Hashem sees everything. Everyone knows Hashem sees everything. So what did he see? What's new in this passage? And what is this? And Hashem knew. You said already that Hashem heard their cries and he remembered the bris. So of course he knew. Rashi says something. It's bothering Rashi, my question. It's Rashi's question, not my question. Rashi says something that's very hard to understand. And Hashem knew. Says Rashi, Nosan Alehem wave. He he put his heart to them. The low Helam Ainov. And he didn't close his eyes. He didn't lift his eyes away from them. You said that already. I don't see how that answers the question. We're going to try to answer this question with a story that I have said before. I don't know if I've said it at, at a Wednesday night cheer, but I've definitely said this, this story before. And I spoke about it today in seminary. It's a very, very important story for all of us. So the story goes like this. You heard it. I'm sorry that I'm repeating it, but every time I tell the story, it sounds a little different anyway. So maybe you won't recognize it. Um, so this, I'm sure you, if you heard it, you'll recognize it. So there was this guy who was a peasant. He was a farmer. We'll call him Yankel. His name was Yankel. Not very intelligent. Not very smart. Didn't process so well. Um... Well, let me tell you how I heard the story. I'll tell you first how I heard the story. So we make our dinner, when we, we make a, uh, uh, or now a dinner to raise money, we make it usually during Svira. Because during Svira, there's no weddings. Otherwise, people go to the weddings, and they have mitzvahs and they have shavabrachas, and they have graduations. So June is like the worst time to make it. We make it during Svira. Five years, five years, six years ago, it didn't work out. I wasn't here. I was in Israel, and we didn't have the hall, and it didn't work out. And we pushed the dinner, and it ended up com- it ended up coming out in June, the worst, like June fifteenth, like the worst time of year you can make a dinner. And but I had no choice. Now the place that we were using was Prospect Hall. Prospect Hall is very fancy. It's an opera hall, and. All the years before, we had between 700 to 800 people used to come to our dinner, big dinners, and we had this fancy caterer, and we had this fancy hall, and we had a fancy dinner, and it cost us a lot of money, and uh, okay, we're going to make it in June, it'll be fine, Hashem will help, we'll be fine. So, and we had a very big uh, guest of honor, who's going to give us a lot of money, so it's very important that the guest of honor, there's a lot of people there, they come in and there's not people there, they don't give you money, they, they feel very insulted. Anyway, four weeks before the dinner, I reserved 800 seats, caterer set up, deposit to the caterer, deposit to the hall, just a deposit, right, ready for, to make this huge dinner. And my two secretaries walk into the room, I'll never forget it, I was in the office in Borough Park, and they're like, I lost we need to talk to you. And I saw it on their face, like, very big concern. And I said, um, what's going on? And they're like, we got a big problem with the dinner. I said, what's the problem with the dinner? They're like, you know, it's in four weeks. I'm like, I know. It was like May 15th. Um, what's the problem with the dinner? They're like, Rabbi, there's only, we only have 75 reservations. I have 800 places, 75 reservations. I'm like, 75 couples? Or 75 people? Not that 75 couples is any good either. And they're like, no, 75 people. We got to cancel. got to cancel. You can't embarrassed the, the guest of honor and, and we have eight right now the caterer didn't cook yet 
So we're going to lose a deposit, but we're not going to lose $80,000, $100,000 in food. And, and you lose a deposit on the hall, but if we make the dinner, we got to pay for everything. I'm like, I know, but, but if, I, if I cancel the dinner, it's like, like or now I failed, it's like, it's, it's, it's really bad. And these people are going to be very insulted. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what you would do. Most people would cancel, come up with a story, come up with an excuse, right? I said, you know what? What do you, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do, girls? You daven. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to that mincha and Shem Shabbos, that two blocks away. Hashem, during Shemun Esrei, you know all your thoughts when you're down in Shemun Esrei? You get all these foreign thoughts coming to your head. Like, did I say modim? Like, you start thinking about school and everything else. Like, most people say, Hashem say Tiftach before you start Shemun Esrei. I say, Tulsa Derech. I know I'm not going to be, I'm going to be all over the place. And sometimes, when I finish, I have to bench Goyimol, because I was in Israel, I was in Mexico, I was all over the place. So, no, don't, don't, whoever's watching, do not say Tulsa Derech, it's a joke. But anyway, say Hashem say Tiftach, be careful. A girl asked me today in school, you really say to us there? I'm like, no, I don't say to us there. So, um, so I go to Mincha, hoping that uh, Hashem will put some time while I'm davening, maybe during Ashray, Hashem will put in my mind what, uh, what to do with this dinner. Of course, when you need the answer, you don't get the answer. It was the best one Ashray ever davened, pure kavana. No ideas, no going off the track. It was like... I, uh, I came out of Mincha, I'm like, I'm canceling the dinner. I'm, I can't. It was like $150,000 on the line here. I'm not. I'm not. I, I couldn't do that. I walk out of Mincha, and there's a rabbi that I know very well, Rabbi Soloveitchik, very serious guy. And he walks over to me, and he says, Chaya Wallerstein, I never see you depressed. You look depressed. What's going on? I'm like, I'm making a dinner for 800 people. And I have 75 people, and I only have four weeks left. I'm going to cancel my dinner. He says, Before you cancel, I want to tell you a story. And then you'll decide what you want to do. Okay, tell me, listen, I didn't get the story during Shimon Estra, I'll get the story now. So he tells me the following story. He says, There's this guy, Yankel, this, this peasant, this farmer, and in front of his house was a 25 ton boulder huge rock that you could not move if you had a tractor, if you had a bulldozer, you couldn't move that rock. Then he walks out of his house and he hears a voice. And the voice says, Yankel, push that boulder as hard as you can for the next half hour. He says, who's that? And the voice says, it's Hashem. It's God. Is that you, God? You're talking to me? Yes, Yankel. What can I do for you? Push the boulder as hard as you can for the next half hour. Hashem tells you to push the boulder, what do you do? You push the boulder. So even though he could not move this boulder, 25 tons, he stands there for a half hour with Yerashamayim, Kavana, and he pushes his boulder as hard as he can. After half an hour, he goes to work. Next morning he comes out, second day. Your uncle, is that you? Yeah, is that you going? Yeah. Push that boulder again for another half an hour. Pushes it for another half an hour. Of course it doesn't move. This goes on, girls, for a year. Every morning he hears a voice, push the boulder, and he goes out there and Nebuch, the poor guy, he pushes that thing for half an hour, 
his veins are popping out of his head, and of course it doesn't move. After a year, he comes out to the boulder, and there's an angel standing there, dark, angry-looking, mean-looking angel. And the angel says, Yanko, you know who I am? He goes, I think I could guess, but I'm not sure. He says, I am the Satan. I'm the devil. Says, what do you want with me? He says, listen, you know, most human beings think I have no heart. I have a little heart. Did, did you ever wonder why God's telling you to push something that doesn't move? He says, I, I don't ask any questions on Hashem. If he tells me to push the boulder, I push the boulder. He says, let me tell you what happened a year ago, the day that you started pushing this boulder. He said, well, the malachim is a story. Okay, it's just a story. It's not a medrash. All the malachim, and this rabbi is telling me this story, came to Hashem and said, it's not fair that we work 24-7 and we never get a break. We don't get a break. So Hashem said, okay. Every day, for a half an hour, comedy relief. You're going to get comedy relief. You're going to get recess for half an hour, and I'm going to show you the dumbest human being that I ever created. This is what the Sultan's telling you. Try to push a 25, move a 25 ton boulder. He says, Yankel, I feel so bad that Hashem is using you for this comedy relief. And we sit up there for that half hour, we watch you pushing, and we, we mamash laugh so much our wings fall off. You are so stupid that you listen to Hashem and you do this. He's like, what? Hashem uses me for comedy? Okay, wait till tomorrow. Next day, voice comes out, Shemayim. Yankel! Yeah. For the next half hour, push that boulder as hard as you can. He's like, no way, Hashem. You are using me for all the angels to laugh at? I will never push that boulder again. You know your God that I cannot move that boulder. You know that I cannot move that boulder. Hashem says, Yankel, I never told you to move the boulder. I told you to push the boulder. Your job is to push the boulder. When I want the boulder to move, I'll move the boulder. You are the best boulder pusher since I created the world. No one has ever pushed a boulder as hard as you. You are number one in my world as a boulder pusher. He's like, straightens up his car, he's like, I'm number one? Number one! He goes into the field, he's happy, he's laughing, he's excited. And who's standing there? The Satan. And the Satan says, I just told you yesterday that you're comedy relief. What are you happy about? He says, Hashem told me I'm the best boulder pusher that he ever created. Isn't that amazing? And the Satan says, you fool. You know what God told Did you move the boulder? No. You know what God told you? That for half an hour a day, you are the best human being at doing nothing. You think that's a compliment? The biggest insult. You are the biggest insult to Hashem. He's like, I'm all mixed up. Hashem said this, the Satan says this. So he didn't know what to do. Whenever he had a problem, he didn't know what to do. He didn't go down Mincha. He went to the bar. Got drunk. He says, I am going to the bar. I am getting myself drunk. I'm not dealing with Hashem, the Satan. I'm not dealing with all this stuff. So he's on his way to the bar. He turns the corner. He's on his way to the city. 
and there's a woman standing next to this huge wagon that's collapsed. And she's screaming, help, help. He says, what's going on? She says, my husband was changing the tire and the wagon collapsed on him. He's dying, he's suffocating. Go to the city, get four or five men, lift the wagon and save my husband. He's like, that's not going to work. By the time I get to the city is a half an hour, till I get the men is a half an hour, till I come back is a half an hour, it's going to be an hour and a half before I get anywhere. He'd be dead a long time. Listen, I'm going to lift the back of the wagon six inches off the ground, and when I do that, pull your husband out. She says, you don't understand, sir, but we have a thousand pounds of concrete in the wagon, and that's why the tire broke. There's no human being that can lift a thousand pounds. You have to go to the city. He goes, no, listen to me. I'm going to try my hardest to lift this wagon, and when I do, you pull your husband out. And he bends down. It's such an unbelievable story. We talked a lot about it today in seminary. He, when he, he bends down, and he puts his hands under the wagon, and he's lifting this wagon six inches off the ground, because for the last year, every single day, he pushed this boulder that didn't move, and he built muscles in his legs, in his back, in his arms, in his neck, because the boulder didn't move. So all those muscles, which we call struggle muscle, that a person struggles and things don't seem to move, came into play, and he lifts six inches off the ground, she pulls her husband out, he saves the husband's life. And she turns to him and she says, you're Superman. Only Superman could do that. He says, no, I'm just a regular guy. She says, I, I don't even know how to thank you. He goes, don't thank me. Thank a boulder that wouldn't move. Because had the boulder moved, that would have stopped pushing it. That's the story. So I looked at the rabbi. I say, great story. What does that have to do with my dinner? Like, why are you telling me this story? And he says, he says, I'm telling you this story. Your job is to make the dinner. Push the boulder. Hashem's job is he wants to make successful, the boulder will move when he's ready. But if you don't make the dinner, the boulder never can move. Hashem expects you to, you make the dinner. And whatever will happen will happen because you, you can't be successful in life. It's not up to the person to be successful. It's up to us to struggle. It's up to us to push. But it's up to Hashem to move the boulder. Okay? I went back. The girls were like, we're can they wanted to cancel. They didn't want to do the work either, but whatever. Right? And, and they're like, okay, we're canceling, right? And I'm like, no, we're making the dinner. But you have $140,000 on the line. I'm like, our job is to push the boulder. They're looking at me like I'm from China. <laughs> what boulder? Is the boulder in front of the dinner? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like... I'll tell you the story later. Anyway, this is MS Truth. You know how many people came to that dinner? Four weeks. There were 75 people. Over 900 people. It was the biggest dinner I ever had. I never made so much money in my life for Ornava. What happened from 75 people? The word went out in the street that nobody was coming. Everybody had weddings. So everybody felt it would be a very big failure for Ornava. We had just started then. Um, and that the whole place would fail and nobody would show up. So all my friends, they came before the wedding, they came during the wedding, they came right after graduation, they came before graduation. Everybody showed up at the dinner. Everyone showed their face at the dinner, wrote a check, everybody came. Because they heard 
that it wasn't going to be successful. Then they said to me, you set up the whole thing. You really knew there was going to be a lot of people. You just let out a rumor that nobody was going to come. You said, I said, I promise you, four weeks ago, I had 75 people. And the people that we honored, they had no idea that we didn't have people. They thought there was like, Barnaba was like the most amazing thing in the whole world. So, many times, that's what we spoke about today in, 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 in seminary. By the way, whoever is not in seminary and is not going to Eretz Yisrael, we do have in this building two seminaries. We have a Teres Nava, and then we have a more Beis Yaakov seminary called Benos Bina. Well, Hashem, we're getting a lot of applications for next year. We have Jackie Bitone, and we have Rabbi, we have like Rabbi Twisky and, and Ezra Max, and a, really a bunch of superstars. It's a really special place. So uh, you can call our Nava. We'll, 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 we'll set up a we'll set up an interview. Um, so whoever's watching who doesn't who's not going to Israel and doesn't have a place to go, it's an amazing seminary. But anyway, so I spoke to the girls today. We were talking about that. That many times. You, you're davening for a shidduch, or you're davening for someone to get better, or a job, or whatever you're davening for, and, and it doesn't, the boulder doesn't seem to be moving. And you're like, I don't understand that. Why, why, why isn't Hashem listening to me? And the answer is that it's not always supposed to move. Not always is the boulder supposed to move. Sometimes it doesn't move, and, and you build this, this muscle from struggling, and, and I, I was just in a rehab, a drug rehab, and every single drug counselor and therapist that was in that drug rehab was once a drug de- was once not a dealer, was once a drug addict. And, and you know what they all said to me? I'm like, why, why are you doing this? And they all said the same answer. I was once a drug addict, and I want to give back. That's the words they use. I want to give back. So you see, many t- people who are therapists went through the struggle in their own life, and they want to give back. So that, that comes from struggle muscle. So... Yes, we were in Mitzrayim. And yes, we cried. And yes, right? But now Hashem said, now is the time you struggle for 210 years. But I see you. Every one of us in this room and everyone who's listening to the shir, you think Hashem doesn't see you? You think He doesn't see your struggles and He doesn't see your pain? And He doesn't see all the stuff that you're going through? Yes, I see you. And Hashem knows. And He knows what you're going through. But He also knows the right time to move the boulder. So that's what it said in this passage. At the beginning of Pasha Shmos is where Hashem said, finally, after 210 years, I know that you suffered for 210 years. I know that what you went through for 210 years, right? But now, I'm going to move the boulder. And you can't fall into the Yitzhahara who says that God has a sense of humor and He's watching you suffer, ha, 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 ha. Because sometimes you get into your head, you know, maybe He really doesn't care. Maybe it's a big joke. Maybe life's a whole big joke. Maybe Hashem's up there entertaining Himself. That's what He was trying to tell, He was trying to tell Yankel. But what was really going on is Hashem knew that Yankel's going to come around the corner and someone's going to be suffocating and if Yankel didn't push that boulder for a year, that person's going to be dead. So Hashem knows sometimes when we're going through our struggles that, that we're going to need those struggles. And I told the girls a story today, a true story that happened with an Arnava girl, I don't know, it must be about five years ago. So this 19-year-old girl whose parents, who I know very well, whose parents got divorced when she was three, very young, and very hard life after that. 
mother, and then father, and then court, and just a really hard life. One day, she came over to me after this year on a Wednesday night. She said, can I talk to you upstairs? I'm like, yeah, sure, we can talk. She said, I have to ask you a question in Hashkafa. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the question? And she's like, how come I'm not your daughter? Excuse me? How come I'm not your daughter? What, what, what are you asking? She said, well, my parents got divorced when I was three years old. And they knew, Hashem knew that my parents were going to get divorced. Hashem also knows that you're not divorced. So, like, why is, how does he pick and choose? How does he pick and choose who comes from a, a, a divorced family, who comes from a dysfunctional family, who comes from a functional family? Like, she was saying, like, why, why, why am I, in, why am I, did I go through this? Your daughters didn't go through this. How does he choose? That was her question. Good question. We all have that question. Everyone has that question. Like, why'd you put me? So there's a saying, I never saw this. I don't know that it's true. That you pick your, you, in Shemaim, you sit there and you pick your, I'm a, I should be a girl and I should be, these are my parents and I should live here. I never saw that. I think it's a wife's tale. I, I, don't, I don't think it's true. I don't think you sit there and pick. I think the Baruch Hu puts every neshama according to Tikkun, according to Gilgal. You have, a, you have a certain trip that you have. I don't think you pick your trip, but I've heard some big people say you pick your trip. So I don't know. And, the, and, and there's a book that you never, and then you think you, you want to do a different, the stone cutter. You ever read the stone cutter? He's a stone cutter on a mountain and he doesn't want to be a stone cutter. He wants to be an eagle, then he wants to be the sun. And in the end, he's not happy with anything and he ends up wants to be a stone cutter. So like, you, you picked your trip and that's what you wanted. I don't know. You think a kid says something in and says, I want to be abused when I'm eight years old? I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I've I, I never seen it. If I see it, I believe it. Whoever's watching this year, if you have a, a medrash or something that says that you pick your stuff, then, uh, then, then I'd like to see it. Because I, 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 don't, I, would, I don't understand. Okay, but anyway, um, so let's say you don't pick your stuff. Hashem picks, Hashem picks your stuff. Now, there's a saying that's very hurtful to people who go through abuse and struggles and, and things in life, um, that Hashem doesn't give you something you can't handle. People don't want to hear that. Somebody loses a child, they don't want to hear that Hashem gives me something I can't, you know what, I, do, I can't handle it. And there are people who jump off buildings, they can't handle it. So what does that mean? What does that saying mean that Hashem doesn't give you something you can't handle? What does that mean? What it means is, that, it's a, that everything in life is a, a test. Everything you guys wrote, life is a test. It means that you could handle it. doesn't mean that you will handle it. Everyone understood that saying like, Hashem gives you something, you will handle it. No. No, a lot of people don't get over trauma. But you could. You have the ingredients. He, he's, not, he's not asking you to run a race with no legs. He, he's giving you the ingredients in your personality to overcome it. But whether you overcome it or not, it's your Bechira. Is it step in or step out? That's your choice. Rabbi Shimshim Pinkis, who's the best line I ever heard, said, people don't have Bechira. We don't have choice. That you're a girl or a boy, you don't have a choice. That you're a Jew, if you're born a Jew, you don't have a choice. That those who your parents are, your mother and father, you didn't have a choice. Your siblings was not your choice. Girl or boy, not your choice. Born in Brooklyn or in L.A., not your choice. Going to school, pretty much not your choice. Who you marry... Not your choice. What, Rabbi? I fell in love with him, right? No. What do you mean? I went after him. I found the right shadchan. That's all the game. 
Because Hashem knows that a marriage can't work unless you have input. But 40 days before you come to the world, God announces who you're going to marry. So it's predestined. Right? But without people having an input, the marriage can't work. See, even if Hashem says who you're going to marry, you still have to do something for that marriage. You still have to have some input to that marriage. Okay. So, so if all those important things, Panasa, Rosh Hashanah, they decide how much money you're going to make. Not up to you how much you work. So, if all those things are not up to you, so then why do you come to this world? What's, what's your Bechira? What's your choice? Your choice is whether I should eat a vanilla ice cream or a chocolate ice cream. That's why you're in this world? For sure not. So Rabbi Shem Shepika says, what's a person's Bechira? He said, what you do with the things you have no choice is the only choice you have. Step in or step out. That you are a girl. That those are your parents. Those are your siblings. That you are Jewish. All the different things in your nature, right? What do you do with that? That is your choice. So if someone goes through abuse, or someone loses a parent, or someone loses a child, or someone gets divorced, or all the bad things that can happen in a person's life, most of the time is not your choice. Someone dies is not your choice. If someone abuses you, it's not your choice. You don't want to be abused. So now you 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 went through this trauma. So the question is. Again, it, maybe, maybe a lot of people won't be happy. And I'm saying this, and, and you can't be judged. Uh, people, the Holocaust who stepped out can't be judged. Nobody can be judged. The person who steps out can't be judged because he went through this, this trauma. But that person could have the ability to step in. Or Hashem would have never given him that situation. It's not a test if I come into this room and say to you, what's one plus one? Is that a test? You all know it's two. If I tell you to tell me the the theory of, I don't know, whatever, that you never learned in physics, I also know you don't know that. It's also not a test. What's a test? I'm testing you on something you could know, you should know, you could know, or you don't know. You take a test. 20 questions. I'm not testing you on, on, on something that you never learned. Right? How many rings there's around Jupiter? I'm not testing you on that. What they're made out of. You probably didn't learn that. So a test means... Maybe you will, maybe you won't. So, does everyone who goes through trauma, are they able to overcome it? They're able to. Can they? That's, that's something that Hashem will not give you something. That's what the saying means. That you can't, you can't overcome because then you, then it's not fair. Then, then He can give you the ability to. Will you? Not for sure. Not for sure. Some people will, on the, I came out of the Holocaust, went totally off the derrick. Some people became even from it. Everyone, everyone's different. And therefore, it says it's a din v'cheshbin. Din v'cheshbin means that what you did with your choice is the din. The cheshbin is Hashem knows what you went through. So He doesn't judge you. doesn't judge. There could be a girl that kept one Shabbos who would get more Ghanadin than me that kept a lot of Shabbos because she coming from a different family. There's a million things in God's cheshbin only God could do. Where you come from and your nature and all that other stuff. So there's a din. Din is, she didn't keep Shabbos. There's a cheshben, why she, why she didn't keep Shabbos. And that only God, and that's why, a human being can never judge another human being, because you don't know all the details. So therefore, you can never judge another person until you're in his place, and the first thing in, law, in, 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 in physics is no two objects can occupy the same space. So when the mission says you can't judge someone until you're in their place, it means you can never judge them, because you can never be in their place. So, I turned to this girl and I said to her and, and 
I spoke about this in class today, actually with a girl that's, that her parents are divorced. So it was a very sensitive subject. And I said to her, I said to this girl, this 19-year-old, I said, my daughters, it seems to be, could not handle a divorce. They're going to handle a crazy father. Not everybody can handle a crazy father. My daughters have to handle a guy, guy who's, who's never home, who talks all over the place and whatever it is. And they have to handle different situations. They can't handle divorce. You couldn't probably handle me. But you can handle... Everyone is given something that they can handle if they step in. I said, but you need to be... I told this girl, and she really went through Gehenna. I said, you need to be successful, not only for yourself. I said, I'm not a Navi. This is it's a true story. I said, I'm not a Navi. But let me tell you, no one goes through trauma for no reason. Even though you didn't ask for it, whatever we go through is not for no reason. Unless you think Hashem is this evil being that just wants to hurt people. There's, there's always a reason. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't talk because Hashem didn't want Paro to say that because he was such a good speaker, he was Charlie Harari, he taught Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. So he stuttered. So no Egyptian could say, wow, Moshe, you're such a good speaker, you talked me into it. Yosef HaTzadik was sold by his brother. What do you want? You want more trauma than that? They threw him in without any clothing with snakes and scorpions, even to die that way. Shoot him. To die by getting bitten by the scorpion bite is the most painful way to die in the world. And they threw him into that, into that pit to be bitten by scorpions and then they sold him. Right? So you say, Hashem, you're evil. How could you do this to Yosef HaTzadik? Hashem's like, no. He's going to go to Mitzrayim. He's going to go through, go to a dungeon again. He's going to go through Potiphar's wife, but he's going to save the whole world. There's a cheshben in everything that God does. So, in the Gemara, it talks about Yisurim, it talks about pain, and there was a very big rabbi that said, keep the pain, keep the gain. Like, I, I, I'm Michael the pain. That's what he said, I'm Michael the pain. Even though I'm supposed to grow from it and help from it, keep the pain. So the Gemara talks about, that's talking about Yisurim, Pain that stops you from learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. That's what he meant. In other words, Yisroim shal ava means going through pain. You put your hand in your pocket, take out a quarter, you take out a dime. Or you go through pain, but it doesn't stop you from learning and davening. So that's Yisroim shal ava. But the Yisroim, he said, keep your pain is, if you're going to give me pain that I won't be able to learn, I won't be able to daven, I don't want that pain. So it's a Gemara. But anyway. So I said to this girl, I said, what? No, that's, the, that's, that's what the Gemara said. That's what he said. Keep your pain. I don't want that pain. I want to learn. I want to dive. So the Gemara explained. What do you mean, keep your pain? It's, it's, it's to help. It's for your Averis and other whatever things that you go through. And it, because, it, because that was pain that would stop him from learning. So that I don't want. I, I, that, that I don't want. I want to be able to learn. Anyway, so I told this girl, I said, so one day, she's a cute kid, this girl. I said, one day, I'll tell you why she's cute. I said, one day, you're going to get married. It's Hashem. You're going to be successful. She had the best line I ever heard. She she went to a shatchin for a shidduch, and she's divorced since she's a little girl. Her brother went totally off the derech. Her, her mother, she lived by her mother, she had no money. It was like the worst resume you could have. And she comes to the shatchin, and she gives the shatchin her resume. And I guess the shatchin was just, I don't know, in the wrong mood that day, says... I don't do shiduchim with girls who have baggage. 
Nebuch, this poor kid went through all this. I don't do baggage shiduchim. I, I'm, that's not what I do. So the girl looks at this shachin. Imagine, imagine someone saying that to you, right? And says to the shachin, if you find a boy that's willing to go out with a girl with baggage, tell him, my baggage is designer baggage. Louis Vuitton. That's the kind of baggage I have. So she's very strong. She's very strong. Like, you know, another girl would have walked out broken. She's like, yeah, I got baggage. Everyone has baggage. But I got designer baggage. Not Stam. Not Stam a Samsonite, $25 Samsonite. I got Louis Vuitton. I, I got the right baggage. She, she's, she's good. She's, listen, go up to Rabbi Wallstein and say, why am I not your daughter? Not every day does that happen. That's like, somebody's really like... So anyway, so I said, so you're going to get married. And your daughter's going to come home one day. She's in 10th grade in, in, in high school. She's going to go, Ma... I have a friend whose parents just got divorced. She's very depressed. Could I invite her for Shabbos? You, you're, you have this wonderful family and household, and you're going to invite her for Shabbos. She's going to come for Shabbos. She's going to have an amazing Shabbos. And then on her way with your daughter, they're leaving the house, once to Shabbos to get pizza. And this girl has her suitcase. She's going home. She's going to turn to you. And I'm telling this to the 19-year-old girl. She's going to turn to you. This is for everyone out there. And she's going to say... Mrs. Schwartzberg, I gave her a name, right? Now, this girl, girls are very interesting when it comes to superstition. She says to me, oh, was that Ruach HaKodesh? I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm going to marry a guy named Schwartzberg? I'm like, no, I just made up that name. It's a name I use when I tell stories. No! I'm, it's Ruach HaKodesh. Whatever you come out of your mouth, it's Ruach HaKodesh. I'm like, if you're only going to go out with guys named Schwartzberg, you're never going to get married. But if they read you a boy named Schwartzberg, go out with him. So she's like, I said, anyway, she's going to say, Mr. Schwartzberg, I want to thank you for Shabbos, this girl's going to say. And I just want you to know, you are the best chef. You, you should have a cookbook. I never had such food in my life. And your husband, the way he sang Zemiris, and you have such beautiful kids. What an amazing Shabbos. I wish... One day I can have a family like this, but it'll never happen. Now you, I'm telling you, 19 year old girl, you're going to be chas shalom. Now a lot of talk on that. Now, when I used to tell the story, I said knock on wood. This father, for some reason, they go knock on wood. But I found out that that saying is Christian. They used to, when they made a promise or they said something that they wanted to get the evil eye away, they would knock on their wooden crosses. So I'm not, I, we don't we don't knock on wood. Maybe you can knock on your mug and dove it, but we don't knock on wood. So, you say, why are you saying that? You could have such a family. Mr. Schwartzberg, you don't understand. My, my parents, I'm, I'm 16 and my parents got divorced. Who would ever marry me? I'll never have such a home. I said to this 19-year-old girl, you know all the suffering? I know what you went through. I was involved in this whole divorce situation. I said, all the suffering you went through? We learn all this from Esther Hamalka. Coming up, Purim. What did Esther go for? Oh my gosh. She's a Tznua Beis Yaakov girl who's hiding in the basement because they're looking for girls. And they find her. And she's davening to Hashem. Whatever you do, I don't want to be married to this guy, to this Achashverosh who's busy with a thousand women in his harem. Right? She's a Beis Yaakov girl, the best of the best. She's in BJJ in, 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 in Eretz Yisrael. She's a Beis Yaakov girl. 
Chas v'shalom, right? Shidavni to Hashem, kavana tehillim, shayashirim, everything you know, all the schoolos. And she comes in front of the king, and every girl is in makeup and dressed provocatively, and she's dressed in a long dress, very not provocative, and she didn't do six months in oil, and she didn't do six months in perfume, and she's green, maybe because she didn't eat, I don't know why she was green, but it says Hadassah, she was green, and she walks in front of him, and she doesn't even do eye contact, and her head's down, and there's like, no way! Everyone, all the advisors are like, Jewish girl, out, next. We got all the most beautiful girls in the world here. Thousands of women, right? And he goes, you! I want to marry you. Can you imagine her heart? Her heart came out of her shoes. She's like, what? You! He didn't know she was Jewish. And she's like, Hashem, you're not doing this to me. You're not marrying me to a guy. You're not doing this to me. Intermarriage? She was, she was... Mordechai's niece, even according to the some svarim, she was married to Mordechai. She was married to Mordechai. They had to give her a divorce before she went to the king, just in case. Everyone in this room, you can't even imagine a tzaddikist on that level, and and, and she davened to Hashem, and of all the women, she made herself ugly. He picks her. Hashem, how can you do this to me? Talking about pushing a boulder. And what she didn't know, right? And this is what, this is what he was saying, Rav Shem Pinkus, right? You're struggling and you're pushing the boulder and you're begging Hashem to save you and he doesn't. And he doesn't save Yosef. What do you think Yosef was doing in the pit? What do you think he was doing? He was down his brains out. He was a tzaddik. He was making all kinds of deals with how much, what he would do. So Hashem got him out. So he gets out of the pit and he's like, ah, oh, Hashem, listen to my tfilos, right? Baruch Hashem, I'm going back home to my father. Oh, no, you're not. You're going to the lowest, immoral, disgusting, low-life place in the world, Mitzrayim. Talk about pushing a boulder that doesn't move. So I said to this girl, I said, that moment of all your suffering, you're going to turn to this girl, right? And you're going to tell her, really, you can't have a home like mine? Let me tell you something, little girl. My parents didn't get divorced when I was 16. My parents got divorced when I was three. My father and mother haven't been together since I was three. You had 13 years more of them being together than I did. You could have a much better home than me. All Rabbi Wallerstein, Charlie, books, speeches, rabbis in the world, we could give you all our speeches. I said to this girl, nobody could give this girl back her life more than you, because you went through it. And you have a family that you're proud of. I promise you that girl will walk out of the house, look up at Hashem and say, amazing, I can do what she did. I can have such a home. And that's why you're going through what you went through. And my daughter Malki doesn't have that. You have in your backpack something very special. You can help people that went through the things that you went through. Every Wallstein has in his backpack what he went through, and everyone in this room has something in their backpack. I met one girl in my life. Two years ago, she was in my seminary at Teres Nava, who walked over to me and said, we were talking about struggling, and she said, I'm very nervous. I said, what are you nervous about? She said, I have the perfect life. 
My parents are beautiful. Parents, my, my siblings are great. We have money. I'm pretty. I'm smart. I said, so what are you, what are you worried about? She goes, when am I going to lose it all? Like, when is Hashem's other foot coming down? I said, you see, you don't have a perfect life. You have anxiety about being perfect. You're worried about being perfect. So, when you're going through, and, and I'm not getting into what I went through in third grade in school, the abuse that I went through, and, and other things that happened to me when I was growing up, and I was not a good student, and I struggled very, very, very much, and I was definitely ADD, for sure, nothing to talk about, and I never came home with a fantastic report card, and was embarrassed in front of a whole school eight times, publicly, and because of that, that's what's in my backpack. I became a teacher only for that reason. I didn't want to become a teacher. And I helped kids only for that reason. And that's what's in my backpack. Could have I gone off the derech and married a non-Jew and been angry at rabbis and Jews and everything else? Absolutely. Everybody has a reason. Everybody gets hurt by somebody. But I didn't step out. I stepped in. And the worst thing about stepping out is that they may not even punish you for stepping out. Hashem has his din b'cheshmen. But you're going to have to sit in the next world, what would have happened if you would have stepped in? And that hurts to watch that and not, and not have stepped in. So you may not even get, you may not even go, who knows, you know, to the barbecue in Shemayim. You may not end up there, but the barbecue in Shemayim is sitting in a room and you could have saved kids and you could have saved this and you could have done that. Instead, you were an angry, revengeful human being and a miserable life and you, you could have done so much. I, I just had an older girl that came to me. She's older. And, and she's not married. And she's really upset about it. And I'm like, I, I can't answer why. I'm not Hashem. But if you're single, Mitch, you'll be married in a year or this year. But while you're single, why don't you volunteer for High Lifeline? Because many times they have these sick kids that are in the hospital for a very long time. And the mothers are there a whole day. And then they sleep there a whole night and they don't get to see their kids. So they look for volunteers of girls who could sleep in the room with the child so the mother can have a night off and go home, take a shower, become human. I said, a married woman has no right to do that. She can't leave her family to go sleep with a kid in, 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 in a cancer place. But you're single. So while you're single, I hear you, and I hear I'm not, you're not happy. I'm not happy that you're single at this age. But the bottom line is, step in. Look at, I'm single, so I can do this. When I'm married, I can't do this. I'm married, I can do this. When I'm single, I can't do this. Look at your situation and see what you can do, even though you're struggling, what you can do with that situation. And everybody has different struggle muscle. And the question is, what do you do with it? It would be a tragedy if I struggled in school and struggled with what I struggled and never used it to help anyone. So then what I need to struggle for? What a waste of pain. What a waste of pain. If you're carrying someone on your back and it hurts, right? It hurts. But I did something with it. I did something with my hurt. I carried someone. Just to have a backache and not carry it for no reason? That's ridiculous. Hashem doesn't do anything for no reason. So what happened here in Mitzrayim is, yeah, we were Mitzrayim for 210 years. And it looked like that God forgot about us. But if you go back to Shemos, all the Mephoshim say in Shemos that when it says, I'll just read it to you, 
right? That that Hakadosh Baruch Hu came into Mitzrayim with us. So you could all ask me a fantastic question, like this girl asked me. So, what good did you do to me that you came into Mitzrayim with me? You didn't help me for two hundred ten years. I'm a slave. They're killing my kids. Paro shechted three hundred kids a day and and bathed in their blood. So Hashem's like, you know, when you went to Mitzrayim, I was there. Oh, thank you. Where, where, where? Where were you? You weren't there. Hashem said, I was there, and I watched you suffer. And when, a, when one of my children suffers, we suffer, if our children suffer, we suffer more than our children. So, but what did you do for me, Hashem? And Hashem said, and I knew everything that was going on, but I had to wait till the right time to move the boulder. I had to wait till the right time. So you had to spend, what happened? We came in 70 people, Shivam Nafash, and we left Klai Yisrael. We left as a nation. We had to spend two and ten years together being Avadim to become an Am Kishay Oyrev. You know what Am Kishay Oyrev is? We were called an Am Kishay Oyrev. Stiff-necked, tough, hardened. There's no way, there's no way that we could be now in Gullah for 2,000 years and not have given up on Judaism and on ourselves. Where does that strength come from? Where does that, that comes from struggle muscle? It comes from a Holocaust and Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition and Mitzrayim. And Hashem knew that we had to go all through all this stuff in order to get to move the boulder. What's moving the boulder? Mashiach. And Mashiach's not going to be an easy time. It's very, very scary because the, the Chidah says this week's parasha, and I, I wanted to talk about it, but it's already 10.30. This week's parasha, it says, the Chamushim, the Chamushim, Olu Mitzrayim. That, what does Chamushim mean? Chamushim comes from the word Chamisha. That we were, what Rashi says, armed. I'll read it to you from inside. That we were armed. We left Mitzrayim armed with weapons, even though we didn't know how to use them. Um, because we didn't, we, we were still not developed, and we would have seen war, we would have, says Rashi, what is chamushim? Ain't chamushim el muzuyanim. Chamushim means that they were armed. What else? That, only one-fifth. Very scary. You hear this? Barashish Rabba in the Medrash. Dova acher chamushim, echa michamisha yotzu, one-fifth of Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, and the other four-fifths died. When it was dark. So this was a holocaust, leaving Mitzrayim. A huge holocaust. Because 600,000 people left, that means if it's only one-fifth, how many people were in Mitzrayim? Come on, do the math. Three million. Six times five, three million. There were three million men, in, three million men, countable men, in Mitzrayim, three million, and only 600,000 left. So 2.4 million Jews died in Mitzrayim by Choshech. So what are you so happy about? I'm so happy about We lost 600 made it out, but 2.4 died and because they, they didn't have a Muna. I wanted to talk, tell a story. We don't have time tonight. Maybe next time we speak, we'll talk about why, why, what happened to the 2.4 million. It was a Holocaust. It was a Holocaust leaving Mitzrayim. Terrible. 2.4 million men died because they didn't believe in Choshech. The, the, the Choshech was over and the, all these Jews were dead. There were a lot of Leviathans, 2.4 million of a certain, of that one age. Because they didn't, they didn't have, right, they didn't have the, 
struggle muscle to leave Mitzrayim. But why is it a celebration? Because that led us to the Yamsuf, which led us to the to the to the um, get the Torah, which led us going into Eretz Yisrael. So yes, we we did lose all the ones that didn't believe. There's a chidna that says that when Mashiach comes, only one fifth of the Jewish nation will, will be will be redeemed. Just the Chamushim Alu be only one fifth. But he also says that if we have the Chus, it'll be more than one fifth. And I have a whole story about Amun and, and whatever, and that we as Jews, if we make a, a Kiddush Hashem, then the other Jews can't die because if the other Jews die. What happened? They the the the, the, the Egyptians didn't see the other Jews die. They died by Choshech. The Egyptians didn't see. They couldn't move in the darkness. So it's not that they saw us die. When Mashiach comes, if we deserve it, it would be a Chil Hashem if the, if the Jews who don't keep the Torah die, because the government would be like, oh, God saved the religious Jews, but look at the other, all the other Jews. So, it's, so the Chidah could be only one-fifth to make it. But we, if we do the right thing, Hashem won't let the, 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 the people who are redeemed there'll be a Chil Hashem if everyone else dies. All the guys are going to be like, oh wait, you saved one-fifth of all the Jews, but you, you killed all the other four-fifths. So we have to, we, have, we can save the other four-fifths. And I have a whole story on it and a proof to it from, uh, from, um, from Rav Nachman. He has a whole unbelievable story about this, but it's not for tonight, it's for the next time. So, so yeah, we're in Gullus, and yes, we are, we are, have a lot of crisis. Marriage crisis, sickness crisis, off the Derek crisis, drug crisis, suicide crisis, abuse crisis. We got a million different crises. And, and, and we're like, where are you, Hashem? We're pushing the boulder. Where are you? Hashem. I know. I'm here with you. I know exactly what's going on. And because I'm here with you and I'm suffering with you, there will be a time in Mitzvah Hashem when the boulder will move and the dinner will have 900 people. And, and, and our, 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 our prayer... Prayers is that, that, that just like Akash right, who heard the cries and remembered the bris of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, that he's here with us in Gullus and he doesn't laugh at anybody in pain. And it's not, he's not a comedian and he doesn't have a sense of humor. And he's with us in our pain. When a child goes through pain, he's there with the pain. And then Hashem says, I know. But I also know what you can do with it. And I know how you can help other people. And that is what Rav Shem Shempink has said. What you do with the things you have no choice is your only choice. Step in or step out. And whoever's li- listening to tonight's share, step in. Because there's a lot of people out there that are going through the same things you are and they need someone to show an example that with that pain and that trauma and that backpack, you could be successful. And that is better than any speech I could ever give by example. When someone sees someone, and that's why they have, what are these groups called? Where they all get together like survivors? Huh? Support groups. What's a support group? Why does that make you feel better? You come to a group, you're sitting with a bunch of people who went through the same thing you did. How, how does that make you feel better? And the answer is, you went through that, and you have a family. You went through that, and you're happy. You went through that, and you're smiling. Then I could do it too. That's what a support group is. Support group is a bunch of people getting together and saying... I can support you because I went through it. For me to get up, and, 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 and I've had this, where, when they, they asked me to speak to a group of older girls who were single. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a girl. Now I'm not single. So like, I can't talk to them. Get someone who got married late, who turned around the whole world, 
right? And they said, no, we, so I came to support group. I said, I, am, I spoke to cancer support groups. I have spoken to many groups where I, 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 I like, I cannot even give you advice because I, I can't set an example. Only thing I can tell you, which I told the older girls, I said, right now I could just say, use your being single as something positive. And whatever you're going through, use it as something positive. Some people find prayer. Whatever it is you're going through, use it for something positive. That's why Hashem gives us stuff. He doesn't want to see you fail. He doesn't want to see you hurt yourself. That's not what He wants. He wants you to be successful. At the end of the day, though, the person... You can't even blame some people. Like You can't even blame some people. They just go through so much, so much that they just... They can't pick their heads up. They can't... They You know, and... and you just have to try to support those people and you have to try to help those people as much as you can. But to believe that Hashem would give someone so much pain that they wouldn't be able to handle it, that would be an unfair God. Would be an unfair, how could you give me something I can't handle? I may not want to handle it, but you can't give me something I cannot handle. So, so somehow, somewhere, the person could find somewhere deep inside. And, and we see a lot of, a lot of tragedy in the Torah. Torah is full of tragedy and how people overcame that tragedy. You start from the beginning. Adam, one kid killed another. Your own son, you want tragedy? You want, could you imagine one of your children murders another one of your children? Like, you don't hear about that very often. Adam, Noah, the whole world got destroyed. Avraham, want to talk about an abusive father? His father took him and threw him in a kitchen of age into fire, right? Yitzhak had a kid off the derech like nobody's business. Asaph, like who? Rachel Menu. Right, didn't have children. Leah felt hated. Go through the whole thing. Yehuda and Tamar. David Melech, they called him Amzer. Yosef they tried to kill. Moshe couldn't talk. Right? We, we had Chana, jumped off, a, jumped off a wall with seven kids. Like, we, what? Who, who, who had a good life? Everyone's tragic. The whole, the whole Navi, a lot of people don't learn Navi because it's so full of tragedy. It was full of tragedy. Why does Hashem show us that? Because every one of them became great through their tragedy. Every single one of them became great through their tragedy. So we have that ability. Whether we, whether we are able to do it or not, sometimes you have to dig very, very deep. And you have to, you have, to have an understanding that, again, if it's a test, it means I can pass it. That's how you have to look at it. I don't know, I don't know how. Maybe I need to go to therapy. Maybe I need to... To meditate, maybe I need to go speak to my Rebbe. I don't, I don't know, I can't answer how a person, but if you're going through something, there is some way for me to make it, or else he wouldn't give it to you. Everyone should be Matzliach, we should all be Zeicha, to see the bolder move to Yushalayim, and it should be the cornerstone of the Mesa Major. Thank you. Thank you for coming. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.